Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self-Made as a Myth show, Make a Difference Together, where we're talking with successful business owners to hear their journey of them building their business. And because we know that success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we're taking time out to acknowledge and recognize the folks who have helped us to build our business and helped us to be successful. Today, I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest has, check this out, has lived in how many countries? Three countries? Three. And is fluent in English, Chinese, and in learning Spanish. Um, he loves to travel and has been to 43 countries. <laughs> 43 countries. Wow, that's amazing. We're going to get a little bit of uh, insight into that here in a minute. And he's most proud of spending quality time with his girls who has traveled to many of those countries with him. It's my pleasure to welcome Jemmy to the show today. Hello, Jemmy. Hey, Tim. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, let's start with having you um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born and, and live, about your family and some of your hobbies. Yeah, so um, I was born, Jimmy Wang, I was born in Taiwan. I grew up in Toronto, Canada, and I've been in the U.S. since uh, 1989, so 30-some uh, you know, years. And uh, I guess my backstory is I got my... Uh, bachelor's in electrical engineering and MBA from University of Michigan, and I've been um, I've always been kind of an entrepreneur at heart. Um, very um, creative in how I think about things and business and solutions. And uh, so I started a computer company in the '90s when I was going to school full time, and ran that for nine years. And I went to Dell and. Uh, a series of private equity owned companies that I helped sell as part of uh, the executive team. Mm -hmm. And since 2014, I've been working with my partner on uh, uh, in consulting and also investments. So we consult with everyone from Fortune 100 companies to uh, regional, uh, statewide family owned businesses. And we do uh, really focus on process improvement, um, increasing profitability, and helping a lot of these companies uh, sell when they want to. And often we invest alongside with the owners. Um, so we have some skin in the game. And frankly, uh, it's not all altruistic. So, I mean, so we get some upside when we make these significant improvements uh, and are able to cash in with the owners when they sell. So, and uh, you know, in terms of, I guess, my hobbies, um, a lot of different hobbies, including uh, you know, camping, backpacking, fishing, a lot of outdoors things, but also it's fundamentally a lot of travel. So we've been to 43 countries uh, over the past few years. And um, just for me, I guess it's one of the things you do when uh, when ADHD transitions into adult ADHD. <laughs> uh, I want to, I, I like being exposed to environments that are new to me and are challenging, right? That, that's what really, um, you know, iron sharpens iron. So that's what really makes me alive. Like I'm here, I don't know the local, I don't know the local language, I don't know anyone, and my family's here, what do we do? Right? <laughs> so that, that's what uh, really wakes me up. Yeah, fantastic. And um, of those 43 countries, how many did you say you took your daughters to? And they've been like 34 of them with, with wow. me, with my me and my wife. And, um, and, they, 
they're well-traveled now. Um, and <clears throat> I think it builds a, a sense of confidence among these kids, right? Like uh, we're going somewhere, we don't know anyone, we don't know the local language. We have a kind of high level, um, high level itinerary of what, we, what we're going to do. But uh, what I, the way I frame it is it's kind of like travel jazz, right? So it's not, it's not like a traditional piece of music where here's a piece of music and you play every note the way it's written, but it's like jazz, right? There's gonna be a lot of improvisation. There's gonna be a lot of change of plans. Um, you know, there, there may be a great attraction that was not on the list uh -huh. that we just happened to run into. And there may be something that uh, we thought we'd be at for four hours, but hey, it's done after an hour and a half. That's great. And um, so it's like travel jazz. And I, I think there's a tremendous value in exposing, um, exposing kids to that. And it, it, it literally broadens their horizons in the world, but also shows them how to deal with uncertainty, how to deal with, you know, kind of the known unknowns and even the unknown unknowns that come on. <laughs> so as a fellow Canadian, do you, uh, <clears throat> do you recognize, tell people you're from Canada or from the U S when you're traveling abroad? <laughs> I, um, <clears throat> I tell them I'm Canadian. Um, <laughs> me too <laughs> my, yeah my family can say whatever they want but i talked about which is which is true uh and you know but with regards to americans um these the every place i've been to even places that you think hmm they should not love americans like vietnam right vietnam yeah. uh, more bombs were dropped there than in all world war ii right most about americans and you think like they should not love Americans, but when I go there and every single one of them, they're like, we love Americans. So I would encourage my American friends to travel to these places that some of these places that where you might even wonder like, hey, what do they think about Americans? Every single place I've been to, even places that I'm like, hey, why do you, why do you love the Americans? And they, you know, unanimously, they love Americans. Yeah. So yeah. I'd encourage I encourage my American friends to travel. <laughs> Jimmy, what's a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? You know, I don't know if there's one funny story, but they they make fun of me a lot on, about. <laughs> um, I'm a. My wife says it's a it's a gift and a curse. Um, when I go somewhere, when I walk into a room, when I see a certain situation, I cannot help but imagine how this process can work better mm. right so like my brain cannot cannot but help say oh you know this restaurant does things this way this here's a sequence there's a better way to do this this is a better way or uh you know even traveling like what is the optimal so a lot of people when they travel they, they're like hey we'll, we'll start the day and we'll see what happens or we're gonna hit these three sites so yeah. i have um I have points of interest on the map. And so when we're by somewhere, I can see uh, what's the opt optimal sequence of, of sites, right? Mm -hmm. And so my family makes fun of me a lot about that. But you know what? <laughs> uh, they they get the benefits of that without right? the obsession, <laughs> without the obsession. And they ultimately, they ultimately enjoy it. They're just like, let him struggle over it. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get the fruits of that struggle. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Jemmy, you mentioned that you've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Tell us about how the business came about. And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? So I started my first company when I was probably 19. 
right? And I ran that computer company for nine years. And what got me confident about that was, and I'm trying to frame this in a very positive way, was I saw some of the other people doing it and I'm like, wait, and this may be overconfidence, but I'm like, wait, I can do this a lot better. Right? <laughs> there, there's, there, there are better ways to do this, right? They're not, they're, they're making this mistake, that mistake, it's inefficient in this way. And so there are better ways to do this. And that's what got me, that's really what um, gave me the confidence, I guess. And, you know, when you're 19, you know, we were both 19 once, Tim. Yep. And uh, when you're 19, you're overconfident about a lot of things. Sure. Right? So uh, maybe I was overconfident, but it, if so, there, I guess the positive uh, result from that was it allowed me to try it, allowed me to jump in. Yeah. Right. Which, uh, I mean, which for me is it's a very positive kind of attribute in that you're just willing to do it, right? As opposed to kind of waiting for the perfect, perfect moment, the perfect situation, the perfect business, the perfect product, yeah. whatever it is, because perfect almost never comes. Right. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, tell us a little bit more about the company. So, what's what's the name? What do you guys do? How do you help people? So currently, um, the company is called Creative Partners LLP, and my partner and I, my partner was a partner at Booz. So we have uh, clients literally ranging from Fortune 100 to Fortune 100 companies to um, you know statewide uh, regional companies with revenue of you know tens of millions, right? Tens of millions to tens or hundreds of billions. And we do everything from strategic planning to um, specific improvements on uh you know whether it's a division or the product or whatever just bringing kind of outsider's view with a emphasis on quantitative um quantitative decision making right uh, instead of this instead of making decisions by gut uh yeah. making decisions by facts, by facts and numbers in a very unemotional um unemotional way and it's, it's a lot of it is what i call you know, uh, money ball for business, right? So instead of managing by gut, like, hey, this guy looks like he's a great baseball player or he looks like he's, um, he, he fits the stereotype of a great baseball player. But let's look at the numbers. Let's look mm -hmm. at the numbers. And then let's also look at, are we looking at the right numbers, right? right. That was one of the uh, keys of money ball is like, what, what are the right metrics? Mm -hmm. So what are the right metrics for this business, this division? Uh, what actually, what metrics are actually tied to profitability and are under the control of the employees in that business, right? Mm. Because there, there are some metrics that are tied to profitability, but are not, not under the control of the managers, the executives, managers, employees in that business. Right. So what, what drive profitability and are under the control of the employees in this business Got and it. optimize those increased profitability, increased top line, and if the business, uh, when the timing's right, if the business owner uh, wants to help them uh, sell the business, present it in a, as favorable of a way as, uh, as possible mm -hmm. and try to get maximum value. And uh, because we will often, we're one of the very, very few consulting companies that will often take um, a significant, or in a couple of cases, all of compensation in the form of uh, stock options or stock. Okay. So. Um, our interests are completely aligned with that of our clients. 
sure. Right. So and then when they uh, when they cash out or um, hopefully a, a a market or premium pricing, we get the benefits of that as well. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, Jimmy. Share a story with us of where someone pushed you or inspired you that um, that you could do it. Maybe even when you didn't think that you could, and the impact that that person had. Yeah, you know, um, I think when I left when I left uh, the last, I guess, full time job in twenty fourteen, uh, you know, I was like, hey, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And uh, the previous CEO I had worked with. I talked with him and I said, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. And he said, yeah, you know, with, with your business contacts and uh, your skills that we saw in the business that benefited the business, uh, you can definitely, um, you could definitely, uh, you, know, you could definitely do this. And uh, that was encouraging, but I, I'll say like, um, th- that was encouraging. And a lot of the other colleagues and uh, friends I talked with, they're, they're all very encouraging. Uh, but for me, all those things helped, but they helped validate kind of the, I guess, the confidence I had that, yeah, this is, this is very doable, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it's something I, I, I did before, you know, even in my 20s when I knew nothing, right? I mean, yeah. come on, you know, when we're in our 20s, what do we really know? Right? <laughs> uh, even in my 20s when I knew nothing, I ran a business. So I'm like, yeah, I, I, know, <laughs> I know so much more now. And um I've grown so much. I've gotten, you know, I've gotten my butt kicked uh, the right way uh, so many more times <laughs> since then uh, that this is this is very doable. But the encouragement from, you know, the previous bosses and colleagues and friends uh, helped definitely. Yeah, awesome. What's been the, your biggest learning as a business owner? So, <clears throat> I think my biggest learning and someone, I think someone once said, I'll paraphrase this, like the 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 smart man learns from his mistakes mm. and successes successes but the really smart man learns from the failures and successes of others mm-hmm. so what i try to do and what i've seen from a lot of the business smaller business, small medium sized businesses that i've worked with is a lot of these really successful people in business did not get there because they were rocket scientists Right. And I'm not, I, I want to be very careful. They're, you know, they're not stupid people, but they were not rocket scientists, right? They didn't go to Harvard, MIT, Stanford, whatever. But what they did is they just did it. Mm. Okay. And <clears throat> they just did it. They had an idea. And instead of um, being paralyzed by analysis or waiting for the perfect idea or waiting for the perfect time, the perfect situation, the the perfect customer, right? The perfect season, you know, whatever. (laughs) He just said, I'm just going to go and do it and see what happens. And then I'm going to uh, be open-minded about how I'm going to make this succeed. I'm going to pivot frequently when necessary, but I'm just going to do it. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've worked with a lot of people who were, who were not rocket scientists, but they just did it, yeah. right? They just, they just did it. And uh, they did it and improved along the way. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Michigan guy. So uh, one of the things Jim Harbaugh says that is very, uh, that kind of touches me to the core is he said, secret to our success is I'm, 
we're going to be better today than we were yesterday mm. and we'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Yeah. Okay. So it's not how good you are right now or how good your business is right now or how good your idea is right now, but are you going to improve it continuously? Right. So are you going to do it and are you going to continuously improve? If you do those two things that I, a, a lot of these clients we work with who we help cash out with, you know, eight, nine, 10 figures. Okay. Uh, that's what they're about. And that, that's kind of my lesson is that, um, success in business is, is, just, is a lot of it is just doing it right and doing it obsessively. Like right? one thing I tell my girls is obsession beats talent, night, you know, a hundred percent of the time. Right? <laughs> yes. Obsession beats talent. Yes. <laughs> one of the things my uh, coach, uh, taught me in the, in the first couple of years is be persistent and consistent. So yeah. I think that ties into what you're saying is right. if you keep That's doing the things and, you know, doing the right things, planting the seeds, eventually they're going to sprout and, and, That's and things will take off. And yeah, you right. have, to, you have to pivot, That's you have a, to a, learn, you have to adapt because right. nothing, <laughs> the only thing we know about our plans for sure is that they're not going to work out exactly the way we mapped them out, but, but it's a guideline, right? It's a post. It's a, it's you, you a, need, you need to have a plan. Yeah. The, the great philosopher, Mike Tyson, uh, a <laughs> great quote. He has, he has two great quotes. I, I tell my girls all the time. One is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but you need to have a plan, but you need to be um, flexible with it, right? Because we're all going to get punched in the mouth. Yeah. Okay. So you can't say, I'm going to, this is a plan. I'm going to keep going at this guy, you know, straight on. You're going to punch in the mouth again and again. But you need to have, you need to have a plan, right? So uh, it, absolutely, you need to have a plan, but you need to be able to adapt. Right. Yeah. And and I like what you said, too, about that continuous learning. So some folks can can get worried about, quote, unquote, failing. Um, and so when you, we change that word from failing to learning, right, or or failing forward, that that's a much better perspective of, yeah, there's going to be lots of stuff that we don't get right the first time and that we have to adapt and, and course correct and modify and tweak. But if we're, if we keep going at it and keep working towards our, our plan or our vision, right, we'll, and learn along the way and, and make adjustments, then, you know, lots of people give up way too early. So th those of us who keep at it are the ones that are going to see those successes. I <clears throat> I, I just went to lunch with a friend of mine earlier this week, and he does um, he does sales in an insurance industry, mm. uh, wholesaler. And he says that he tracks this. He says for every six point four RFPs I put I respond to, I win one. Yeah. Okay. So for him, he looks at it as yes, I can improve upon that number, but two. I just need to increase that 6.4, right? Yeah. If I do, if it's one in 6.4, if I do 64, I'm going to win 10. If I do 100, 128, yes. I'm going to win 20. Yes. And it's just, it's just math, right? Yes. So he just keeps at it. He said, and it's fascinating the way he puts it to me is he says, look, my job is easy, right? Technically, it's very easy. I work a lot. I work very hard. Um, but technically, it's very, very easy. And most people can't do it because they get discouraged because they, they get discouraged by the 5.4 that they lose. Yes. Right? <laughs> but, you know, which, I mean, if you put hours or days uh, preparing a proposal, I can see that. But he just says, I, I just focus on the one of the 6.4 and I just have to increase that 6.4. Yes.
Yeah. And the great thing about that is when you know your numbers, now when you get a no, you know you're one, you're one more right. you're one step closer to the next yes. <laughs> that, that's that's one of the 5.4 no's. Right. right? Yep. Uh, until you, you got you need 4.4 more no's until you get to your yes. Yep. <laughs> right. And that's all it is. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 pers it's persistency, consistency, it's it's obsession. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jimmy, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So tell us um, about one of your biggest challenges during the years and maybe a fellow business owner who came alongside you and helped you get through that. Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question. I'm gonna take I'm gonna do a slightly different take on that in that I've had a lot of help over the years from fellow business owners, but also um, uh, customers, clients, mm. and some of the key decision makers at the clients. Okay, I've had a lot of help. But what I, <clears throat> what I want to emphasize is you have to bring something to the table. Mm. Okay. No one's going to help you if you bring nothing to the table. Okay. I mean, none of us, and, and some people are surprised by that, but I'm like, okay, let me ask you. How many friends do you have who are who are ugly on the outside, ugly on the inside, boring to be with, and uh, <laughs> and just downers? How many friends? How many friends do you have that are like that? <laughs> right. And, and everyone's answer is no, zero. Like I don't have any friends like that, right? But there are people like that out there. So my point is, none of us have friends like that because they bring nothing to the table. Right. Okay. So they, you have to bring something to the table. You, and yes, we need the help of uh, friends, you know, colleagues, other stakeholders in the industry, uh, whatever. But we need to bring something to the table so that they will help us mm. because they see that we help them or we can help them or we will help them, right? And whether that is uh, you know, insights, uh, customer leads, um, you know, whatever, bring something to the table so that uh, others will be a lot more or will absolutely help you. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of, um, so I'm in a, a BNI networking group and, and the, the principle is givers gain, right? So the more you give to the, the, yeah. the other members in the group there, everybody then feels, uh, you know, almost a, a, a need or a responsibility to give back and reciprocate you know, yeah. the, what you give to others. I, I like how, you know, how you've explained that so that folks who are listening, you know, understand that principle of, you know, you, you get what you give, right? Right. And it's, it, from their perspective, it's not entirely altruistic, right? I mean, like I said, if it were entirely altruistic, we would, all of us would have a couple of friends who are ugly on the inside, in, uh, outside and boring to be with and not funny or whatever, right? None <laughs> of us have that, right? So, uh, it's not entirely altruistic because then these people uh, that you would you want help with and you need help with see oh this guy or this gal brings something to the table and can and will help me right. so I'm going to help him or her yeah right and it, it in fact it's how human societies have worked for thousands of years right where uh, in societies where they did not have uh, extensive ability to store foods right mm. when you when they make a big kill they share the food with everyone. It's not right. because they're magnanimous and altruistic. <laughs> it's because you can't eat an entire buffalo by yourself or with your family. So like, look, I killed it. So here's some buffalo for everyone. But remember, I mean, 
they won't say it, but remember, I killed this buffalo and gave it to you. And yeah, maybe two weeks, maybe two weeks from now, when you kill a buffalo and I don't have one, you know, you remember that because maybe four weeks from now, I will kill another one. Yes. Right? So you have to bring something to the table. Yeah, I love it. Jimmy, if I asked you, I'll put you on the spot here. If I asked you to pick three people in your business who, um, as part of your journey, who, who you're most grateful for them being there to help with your business growth, who are those three people and how'd they help you? You know, I, I think I, I, I don't want to mention any names because they're still in kind of the industry, but um, I've had probably two CEOs and one CFO who's who have helped me a lot. And I think... You know, um, I think it was the Sicilians I was saying, only a true friend will tell you when you have mud on your face, right? <laughs> and they helped me a lot in that they offered me advice that was often inconvenient, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe uncomfortable, right? You need to do more of this or your, uh, this behavior on your part will limit your growth, right? Which is what one of them said. Uh, and I think, some of these uncomfortable because I, I I don't need anyone to especially we've talked about this right I, I'm I tend to be a very confident guy right I don't need someone to tell me oh you did this great or you did that great yeah because you know people like me tend to think I do everything great right <laughs> uh, reality or not so I it these gentlemen helped me um and they were very successful and, and one of them I still deal with on a monthly basis, um, they help me by saying, okay, uh, these things you need to work on. Mm. Okay. And here's why, right. And if you don't work on this, it's going to limit your growth, yeah. uh, and so on and so forth. And that I thought, uh, it was very valuable. I, I highly encourage, and I do encourage, um, young people, especially to find, to find a mentor. Okay. A mentor who will help guide them not just technically and some people think mentors are you know this, this person will help me with this technical skill some of it is that but i think more so how you grow as a how you grow and mature as a human mm -hmm. right uh we we have we, we have long lifespans right our our life expectancy right now is approaching around 80 so if you get to workforce in the early 20s if you work till you're six that's 40 years so that's a lot of time to grow and uh, you know, it, back to the Harbaugh saying, right? If you're better today than yesterday, better tomorrow than today, yeah. uh, the sky's the limit, right? But if you're flatlining, uh, that's a long time to be flatlined. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of ways that so people can, can grow, right? You, it's easy to read a book or listen to an audible or watch a video or go to a conference. So um, I, I hear a lot of times, well, I don't have the time. Well, you really, people, you, you don't really not have the time, right? You can't afford not to keep growing and developing because um, you'll get left behind. So think yep. about what what can you easily implement into your your weekly schedule that helps you to to continue to to become a better person tomorrow than you were today. I love that <laughs> saying. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Warren Buffett, uh, gave this analogy. He he asked a bunch of school kids, and uh, I was watching a documentary. Room. He asked a bunch of school kids. He said, "Look, if if I told you you can only have one car in your life, okay, how well would you maintain that car and protect that car <laughs> and improve that car?" And you know the kids are like, "Yeah, I, that'd be. I if I could only have one car in my life, I 
do everything I can to maintain it, to, uh, you know, to make sure it lasts my entire lifetime. And then Buffett said, okay, well, you only have one you. You only have one of you, <laughs> right? You only have one person, one body, one mind. And if you would do that for a car, why would you not do that for yourself? Wow, yeah. <laughs> right? And I think that's where, you know, companies like yours can probably help come in and you know, action coach. But, um, and, and, and it's a great point, right? You would do that if I, you would do that for a car. If I told you you only have one car. Right. Right. Why would you not do that for yourself, your body, your mind, your capabilities? Yeah. I love that quote. Wow. It's that's so powerful. <laughs> Jimmy, as you think about the next three to five years, what are the biggest challenges that you see that you're going to face in reaching your goals? And who are the types of people that you're going to need to help you overcome those challenges? So we, we live in an age we live in an age when um, change is, and, and this sounds cliche, but it's not, where change is all around us. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you think about it, if someone, if someone fell asleep in 1850 and woke up in 1900, that person's skill set would still be relevant. Mm. Okay. Would still be very relevant. Uh, whether they're a blacksmith or whatever, it'd still be it'd still be a relevant skill set. And if you do a thought experiment for the year, let's say 100 AD and 150 AD, it would be even more so, right? I mean, like nothing changed in 50 years back right. then. Now, if you think about it, we're in 2023. If someone went to sleep in 1973 and woke up in 2023, <laughs> their skill set would be almost completely irrelevant, right? Almost completely irrelevant. So my point is, not only is change all around us, but the pace of change, right? So from engineering terms, the second derivative, right? The, the pace of change is increasing. Change, so change is getting faster. So one of my challenges is to keep up with that, with mm. a lot of my clients, right? Mm. A lot of my clients and so the pace of change is increasing and how do I keep up with that and, and still stay on the foreground, right? And honestly, as, as people like me, you know, uh, get older and older, uh, there's at least a perception that, hey, uh, this guy or uh, this gal is, they're not keeping in touch with what's, what's new, what's the greatest, right. newest and greatest, right? right? So I have to combat that. And the way I combat that is to um, kind of what, Warren Buffett was saying is to work on me, work on my brain, work on um, my knowledge of what of the trends, and then to synthesize that. Right. So uh, instead of being so, be able to synthesize all of that and be on the front, you know, the cutting edge, the front end of a lot of this change. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the um, and yes, working with other stakeholders uh, in this industry, but working with you know some of my peers and others and uh, keep you on the foreground of this increasing rate of change. Right. Yeah. So I, I can imagine, but I'd love you to talk about it a little bit. There must be things that you you're able to access to help you with that learning. Um, so what are, what are some of your go-tos in terms of helping you keep up to that change? You know, I, um, I, talk i go to a lot of industry conferences mm -hmm. uh, of the various industries that i lead for my um 
partner in me, and he leads some others. Mm -hmm. I go to a lot of these industry conferences. I talk with a lot of the uh, thought leaders in the industry, uh, you know, at the conferences, um, sometimes on background. And I read a lot. I read, um, I read not only about the industries that I'm involved in, but of global trends, right? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Yeah. Um, what, uh, what's going on with the newest technology? So, for example, I uh, I started playing with the Chat GBT, right? And uh, just on the second day, I started playing with it. Uh, I, I finally got in because they they put me on a wait list and all that. But <laughs> second day, I started playing with it. I used it to summarize. Um, I asked for an executive summary from uh, one of my uh, direct reports, and he gave me a two-page, he gave me a two-pager. I'm like, okay, no, look, for this type of topic, unless you're, unless you're giving me an executive summary of the history of the universe, it's got to be shorter than two pages. Right? Yeah. I need, I need three or four bullet points. So what I did was I took that two-pager, put it in chat GBT, and said, give me three, give me four bullet points. <laughs> and, and it did it. And it was very good. Wow. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm not selling that, obviously. Uh, because I don't own ChatGPT, but just being, just doing that and experimenting with it, and uh, instead of pushing back and say, "Oh, you know, ChatGPT will never replace humans," that's not the point, right? But are there practical applications of these new technologies out mm. there right now yeah. that I can use to improve my business and my life? Right. Okay. It doesn't even mean this is going to be end result. I think. There are going to be far bigger consequences and results, but are there? Uh, is there a small bite of the apple that this thing can do in kind of my business? Right. That um, I may be able to parlay into something else, maybe something that is monetizable. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so that's an example of kind of keeping in touch with uh, with the changing technology. Right? I, I I see a lot of people, frankly, I'll, I'll be honest. I hate to be ageist, but I see a lot of people my age, like, oh, you know, the ET will never replace humans, but that's kind of the wrong measure, right? Mm, it's it's right. not will it replace humans, but will it replace some things that some people do right now, so that they can they can do the things that ChatGPT cannot do, right? Right. And how do we play around with that so that we can then think about? So then I, I played around with. It. I'm like, hey, I wonder. I, I can think of a couple of uses my clients can do with this in their business yeah. right and even if that doesn't come to fruition that's starting to connect some of the islands of knowledge i have about this industry or other industries that uh that may still be islands right now but yeah. i'm starting to i'm starting to connect you know narrow land bridges yeah well, I, I like your example back to what you said at the very beginning that your mind's always thinking about how do I make it more efficient? So even just taking a report and being able to, you know, condense it down to a two pager and then condense a two pager to bullet points. I mean, that saves a lot of somebody's time, right? <laughs> it saves a lot of time and it's hard because <clears throat> I forgot who it was. Um, I think it was Benjamin Franklin or George Washington or someone said, um, wrote a letter, it's like a two or three page letter. I said, at the start, I said, sorry for this long letter. I didn't have enough time to write your short one. <laughs> yeah. Because because it's harder to write. It's harder to convey <laughs> yeah. the same thoughts or 95% of the same thoughts in three bullet points 
than it is in two pages. Right. Anyone can do this two pager, right? Yeah. Anyone, right? Two page, that's not a summary to me. Okay. Anyone can write this two pager, but can someone get 95% of the core of this two pager into three bullet points? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, <laughs> you know, and because the decision makers are not going to read your two pager, right. they're going to read your three bullet points. What should I do? Why? Yeah. What are the uh, consequences if I don't do it, if I do it? Done. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Last question here, Jimmy. Uh, Jim Rohn said that we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So as you think about that quote, what advice would you have for business owners who are trying to do it on their own or feel like they have to do it on their own and they can't ask for help? Yeah, I would encourage them to, that's a great question. I, I would encourage them to network more to go to some of these networking events mm. and search for, try to spend more time with people who are successful in the fields that they want to be successful in. Mm. Okay. Uh, you, you know, if you're, in, if you're in basketball or chess or whatever, you, you don't get better by playing those who are worse or far worse than you. Right. Okay. <laughs> and it's even questionable how much better you get by playing those who are at the same level, right? You get better faster if you play and associate and watch those who are better than you. Mm. Okay. You can see what are they doing that I'm not, what am I doing that they're not? And uh, how do I get better? Right. So I'd encourage people to network more, to uh, go to more of the events for the industries that they want to uh, be successful in, uh, and to associate, to befriend, to offer value to those who are successful in the field that they want to be successful in, mm -hmm. so that um, they can learn something right, from these people who are more successful than them. Yeah, awesome, Jimmy. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Tim. It's great talking with you. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread the movement by liking our show and posting about it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to BeMadTogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward, and I'll see you all next time. Take care. Bye, everyone.